0: Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Great job. It's wonderful. And I've been pondering and I've been considering what does it mean to know and live in the faithfulness of God. It's been something that's just been kind of ruminating around in me uh, over recent times. And I think when it comes up to a birthday, uh, 54, uh, like I said last week, some of you would like to be 54 again. And some of us wonder what 54 will be like. Uh, I'm I'm thinking, oh, gee, it's getting a little bit closer than what it did a little while ago. Uh, I don't know if you like this, but you kind of think that you've got an age, right? And then you look into the mirror and you realize that you're not that age at all. I don't know. Maybe that's just for me. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. But, you know, when it comes to a birthday, it's a good time to reflect on the things that are in our lives. And one of the things that we, uh, as a church and a faith community, we can reflect over the last uh, 54 years, the faithfulness of God. God is the faithful one. So when we celebrate all that God has done in and through the life of the church, we're not celebrating human hands. We're celebrating the work and the activity and the faithfulness of God Uh, It is God who brings things about. He uses us and we do surrender ourselves before him. And and we do indeed say, Lord, uh, we are the ones that give you control, work in and through us. But it's God's work. It's God's activity. And it's really interesting. We go all the way back to the start of the story, 1967. It's when Clovey was birthed in the people's store uh, at Clovercrest shops there and then uh, bought that parcel of land up on Montague Road. And in 1967 is when the church uh, was founded. Uh, Pastor Doug Lawrence was the the first pastor, a really courageous uh, pioneer, uh, would go to this um, place called Tea Tree Gully where there was nothing. There was just literally land where people used to go, you know, kind of hunting and things out here. You know, it's a bit weird to think that that's even a thing, right? But people would, you know, come out here and do kind of country things, you know, and, uh, you know, and all that sort of gear. And, and yet there was this group of people from Hillcrest Baptist Church that would go and, and do that and, uh, and plant a church in 1967. Pastor Doug Lawrence as the pastor. Uh, pastor Doug Lawrence passed away about two months ago well into his 90s, lived a life of faith, I got to spend some time with him a few years ago, went up to his nursing home in Belair and sat with him and just spent half a day and he just told me story after story of how he'd been able to be involved in God's work and, and it's God's faithfulness in his life. Uh, the church grew and grew as the suburbs grew here in Titra Gully and, and become much more urbanised. And, and then it got into the mid90s, uh, and the church, after uh, twenty nine years of being on that site, and uh, made another, a really brave and courageous decision to come to this site where we are now. Again, the faithfulness of God. One story that you might not know is that uh, when we uh, moved up onto this site, because of confidentiality reasons and around the sale of this property, the members voted on this property and saying yes to this before actually even seeing where it was going to be or what it would look like. Isn't that incredible? With God's leading and his faithfulness in the life of the church, the church's posture in the mid-90s was to say yes to God. And without even seeing the footprint, only a few people knew uh, where it was and the details around the sale. The church said yes. And then for the members meeting, everyone piled into the old church and they got told where the new church was going to be and everyone came up and saw it for the first time. Uh, Incredible. That was in uh, the mid-90s. It's about 25 years now since we've been on this site. And since we've been on this site, uh, we've seen a number of people come to know Jesus. We've been involved in mission into the local schools. Pathway Community Center uh, has um, birthed as we um, purchased the shops across the road. Uh, A number of people in our local community know us here at Clovey through Pathway, uh, through the love and the unconditional uh, service that we give to those in our community who are doing life tough. Uh, We have uh, also treasured, have the op shop and the furniture shop that helps fund the whole operation over at Pathway, really, and then Quench uh, launched just a few years ago, again, to blur those lines between the church and the community. Our involvement in local mission, nursing homes, schools, and our involvement overseas has been prayed for uh, today as well, Uh, serving and caring and bringing the gospel to those uh, around the globe as well has been a priority for us. It's an incredible story of the faithfulness of God. It's God's activity, it's God's work, and we get this uh, beautiful privilege uh, to be able to partner with God in what uh, He is doing. And it's really fantastic that we stand on this new uh, era of faith here at Clovey. 29 years in the old site, 25 years in this site, we stand on uh, the edge of a new season. Uh, the sun is rising into a new day uh, for us here at Clovey. A new season is in front of us. And as we've been praying and considering what that's looked like over the last year, year and a half, uh, we really believe that now's the time to step in. Uh, now's the time to step in uh, to all that God has got for us into this next season. And that's really the word for us today. It's time. It's time. It's time to step in uh, to what God has for us. And our theme this year has been around what matters most. And we've been focusing in around loving God, uh, loving people and making disciples of Jesus together. That's what we stand for. If you wanted to boil Clovey down uh, to just one sentence, that's who we are. Everything filters in through loving God, loving people and making disciples of Jesus together. And it's at uh, His initiative. It's His mission. It's His activity. He is the faithful and the sovereign one and we get this beautiful privilege and also responsibility to partner with him in his kingdom work. So I want us today to sit in Mark 1. So if you've got your Bibles, your phones, we want to sit in Mark 1 and we're going to learn from Jesus' life. What does it mean to step into the time that God has for us? What does it mean to focus in on what matters most? So Mark 1, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the River Jordan. He's telling pretty much anyone who would listen that the Messiah is going to come. It is, he's going to come. It's, it's going to be something that's, that's going to be uh, in this um, time span for him. And in verses 9 to 13, it says this. It says, At that time... Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. See, the first thing that uh, we really need to know is that God loves us, that God uh, cares for us and he's pleased with us when we make choices that are the ones that he has for us. And Jesus uh, lives this out. He goes and gets baptized. That's what God uh, wanted for him. And he goes and gets baptized. And the very first thing he says is a voice from heaven comes and says, "'You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased.'" And more than this, than hearing this voice, when Jesus was then kind of thrust into this place of temptation and isolation, God was there with him. It says here that the angels uh, were there to attend him in verse 13. And it's really important that we know that God is for us. It might be important for you to hear today that God is for you, that God loves you, that God will be with you when you're tempted when you feel isolated, when you feel alone. God is there and he is with you and you'll walk with you. And when it comes to what matters most, the first thing that I want us to understand uh, and Jesus teaches us here is that if we're gonna focus in on what matters most, if we're gonna press into the next and the new season that God has for us, our identity needs to be in God. Our identity needs to be in God. You know, placing our lives in his hands, surrendering to his will and to his ways, uh, being baptized as an outward expression of our inner belief. These are the core identity markers that we need to have as the foundation piece of our lives. If we are able to live and to walk in the faithfulness of God, our identity needs to be in him. And if we're honest, there are many competing factors to our identity. There just are in the life and the times in which we live in now. There are many things that can shape up the internal dialogue, the internal narrative that we have in our life around our foundations and what our life stands for. And for each of us, they're going to be different things and they're going to kind of hit us in different ways, but there are competing factors for our identity. Our success at work is one of those. How many kids we have could be another one. The size of your bank balance, how busy you are, How many friends you have, how many likes you got on that last post, whatever it is for you, there are going to be things in our lives that compete for that core foundation piece in our life, what we put our identity in, what we get worth from. I know over my life, over uh, many years, uh, one of the things that I have had to work through and, and continue to be a work in progress is around getting affirmation from others. Sometimes when I hear affirmation from others, and it's great to hear that, sometimes it feeds my internal dialogue and my internal narrative. It feeds my identity of going, well, I must be okay because this person thought it about me, rather than what does God think about me? What does He want to deposit into me? What does He want to say into my life? And we all have these things in our life, and they just don't go away. And you might think, oh, as I get a little bit older, they'll go away. By the time I get to 54, oh, this stuff will be dealt with. It'll be done, well, I'm learning that's not the case. And the wisdom in the room would probably say the same. We never arrive, but we need to be aware of what our triggers and what our potential issues are so that we can continue to work through these things. And this is the process of becoming more like Jesus. This process, uh, theologically we call it becoming sanctified. This is what this means as we uh, grow in Him and have our identity formed in Him for, from our core. And I wonder if you need to hear words of comfort today from God. I wonder if you need to hear, you know, from God today, you are my daughter, you are my son, I love you, and in you I am well pleased. I wonder if you need to receive those words today in your heart and in your mind. You need to know that these words are from God for you today. And taking this a step further, many of the New Testament writers explored what it meant to have our identity in Christ And I've got a picture coming up here of all these different uh, phrases and words that uh, were used by New Testament writers. They talked about being chosen, being delivered, being freed, accepted by God, being an ambassador of God and many other things. I wonder if you just take a moment now and have a look at this list. I wonder what's the word or what's the phrase that God, maybe even today, is just wanting to pull off that screen and deposit into your life. Another foundation piece for you to have your identity in God. Because if we're going to focus in on what matters most, our identity, first and foremost, needs to be in God. What's the word or the phrase for you today? Verses 14 and 20, they go on to say this. They say, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and, believe, repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when they'd gone a little bit farther, uh, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and they followed him. So our identity is and needs to be always our core foundation piece in focusing on what what matters most and following God on our adventure of faith. But then second into that is to understand our calling. Our calling. Now what does it look like In the context in which you find yourself to follow Jesus, what's the calling that He's placed on your life? And Jesus begins proclaiming, He begins speaking out the good news. And then in verse 15, He says, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This word time in Greek uh, has two meanings. Uh, the word time, uh, one meaning that we know really well, which is chronos, and chronos is, well, what is the time? You know, let's check, the, let's check the time, let's check your watch. And that's one of the meanings of this word time. But then there's a second meaning called kairos. And, and this word kairos means, well, what's the right season or the opportune moment? And this is the, the sort of time that Jesus was talking about here in this passage He's saying, well, now's the right season. Now's the right moment. The kingdom of God is near. It's time to repent and believe. This is what he's saying. He's saying this is a a Kairos moment. It's not a Kronos moment around, we're just, oh, I'm just checking the right time. It's 11.30, all right, let's go. No, he's saying, this is the season. This is the moment. This is what you've been waiting for. Remember, as we've been talking in our Isaiah series, 700 years earlier, Isaiah drops this prophecy, and the God's people are waiting to be saved, they're waiting to be rescued. And then Jesus comes and he says, "Now's the time. Now's the time. This is a Kairos moment. Uh, this is the right moment, the right season and the opportune moment. And he calls the people to repent and believe to repent and believe. And there's a pastor and a missional uh, author by the name of Mike Breen, and he talks lots around kairos moments. And he says that we can sometimes have these small moments in our lives or sometimes really life-changing large moments. But if, as we go through these kairos moments, there's always an opportunity to learn and to grow, and to move forward in our faith journey. And he's put together a little uh, circle around how you actually work through these Kairos moments. And it's it's quite neat, actually, when you think about it. And he talks around the, the idea of repenting is around observing what's God saying, reflecting on that and discussing that with God and with others. That there's this opportunity before you as you repent to posture yourself before God as one who hears. Even asking the question, God, what are you saying? What he's saying in my life? But then to believe is actually to move into action where you plan it out, you have accountability and then you act. There's an obedience step. So part of repenting and believing is hearing God but then having the courage to obey. And as you believe, you go from saying, God, what are you saying? To what are you asking me to do about that? And this is this process of having a kairos moment or a process of uh, understanding what does it mean to repent and believe. What it means to repent and believe is to hear the things that God is saying in your life and then having the courage to move forward in obedience to what He has uh, for you. And this is really important uh, for us when we consider our calling. When we consider what does it mean to live out the things that God has for us in our lives? Uh, what does it look like for us to posture ourselves before God and say, God, help me repent, help me believe, so that I can grow with you and I can move into more of the calling that you have for me in my life. And like I said, these Kairos moments can be small, they can just be kind of things that are happening in your day to day, or they can be really big things You know, that change a, that, that and create a change of course in your career or where you live or, or how, you, um, how you kind of grow in your faith with God. And from this Kairos moment in verse 15, Jesus immediately begins to call his team. He calls his team. He called Simon and Andrew and then James and John. And he says, come and follow me. And what do they do? They leave all that they're doing and they follow him. They have the old time of Kairos moments where they just leave what they're doing their family as well, and they go into following Jesus as his disciples. We've been praying a lot about what does it mean for us to implement the God-sized dream here at Clovey. We've been talking a bit about it, and we've been praying about, well, what's it time for, and how do we have strategic steps in that? What comes first and why? And I want to introduce to you today that the three kind of first priorities for us probably not a surprise to you, but I want to just make it really clear so that we know that we're all on the same page. Uh, The first one for us is Clovey Online. We want to keep um, pressing into all that God is doing with Clovey Online. We've got a great foundation uh, of what's been happening. We got pushed into that uh, with everyone else, but we really believe God is in it and we want to move forward in uh, faith, uh, being a people of faith who can reach other people for Jesus. And Clovey Online is going to be really important for us there. So we're going to continue to resource that, and we're going to continue to look for ways that we can grow uh, our online campus so that we can be reaching people who don't know Jesus yet, so that we can learn what it means to be involved in digital community, so that we can be discipling people that may never, ever step into our Modbury North Campus but are part of our church at Clovey. And that's going to mean some changes for all of us, but it's exciting. We're going to keep moving forward with the door, the big, wide, open door that God has provided for us there. Uh, The second is around church planting. Church planting is going to be a priority for us uh, into these next few years. And by faith, over the next five to seven years, we'll be planting up to three churches. And what that will look like, we don't know whether they're um, new church plants, whether they're they're revitalizations of other churches, what that will look like, whether they're part of our church family here at Clovey or they're released into uh, the Baptist family. We don't know the details yet, but what we do know is that God is wanting us to be a church that plants churches. That hasn't been part of our story so far. There's been a lot that's been part of our story in 54 years, but this actually hasn't been. Uh, We have helped and assisted in church plants, but we haven't taken responsibility for that. And that's going to be part of who we are. And that's exciting, a really exciting part of where we're headed. And then thirdly, leadership development is going to be a huge part uh, of where we're heading and it's going to be a priority for us. And we're going to be asking God, we already are, what are the leadership development pathways that we have here at Clovey? How can we organize that a little bit more? How can we be involved in training and releasing leaders across a range of different uh, areas in the life of our church? Uh, The marketplace is going to be an area that we're going to be spending some time uh, raising up new pastors and leaders, helping emerging leaders uh, grow in their faith. You know, whether that uh, what that looks like into the future, I'm really excited to see. And we've got a little team working on that right now that's doing a bit of a review and an audit and putting some plans together of what it's going to look like for us to be developing leaders into the future. So these are three priorities uh, that are gonna be part of uh, what we're gonna be doing. You're gonna be hearing a lot more about this over the next few years as we tell stories and and, and we share where God is at work. But my question for us today is, is God calling you or how is God calling you to participate in this? How is God asking you to join him uh, he is the faithful one. How is He asking you so that we can be a people who are trained and we are people who are released into all that God has for us? Who is it that He is here today with in me, with me in the room or online? That God is asking uh, to consider what does it mean to be a pastor in the life of the church that would plant a church, that that would that would step out in faith and pioneer as Doug Lawrence pioneered back in 1967. Probably fair to say you've got a little bit more support around you than maybe Pastor Doug did back in the 60s. But who is it that God's calling? Who is, who is it that God is saying, we want you to stand up and be part of the future? Maybe the first part of your career has set you up so that you can change and be involved in this in the next part. Maybe you're finished in your working life and the idea of planning a church or being involved in leadership is something that you're like, yes, that is going to be part of my future because there's a call that God has on your life. How is God calling you to participate in his activities and in his ways? I'd be really excited to talk to you if that is part of your story and part of what it will be for you moving forward because we really believe that God will do that from within. He'll raise up uh, from within and he'll move us forward into all that he has for us. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an exciting thing. But it's part of how God works. He calls us. And he calls us into what he has for us. And my question is, how's he calling you? How's he calling you? And what will it will look like for you to partner with him and with us as we move into all that God has for us? Is it your time to step out of what you're doing and into the new? So Jesus got busy with ministry. Mark 1, you can see, he had a public teaching ministry. He healed many people, took some time out to heal Peter's mother-in-law, which was probably a good move. And this is how he spent his, um, his time. He just got involved in this public uh, ministry. And then we get to verses 35 to 39, and it says this. It says, "'Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him.' And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let, someone, uh, let, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out their demons. So the foundation piece for us is identity identity in God, so very important. And then God has a call for our lives so that we can be on mission with an ongoing obedience. And that's what we see in the life of Jesus. We see a mission with an ongoing obedience. You know, Jesus must have been tired. You know, just consider his day and the time and people just wanting a piece of him. So what does he do? Very early the next morning, he goes out and he prays, just trying to get a bit of alone time, a bit of quiet time. Simon and his companions, they kind of find him and they say, everyone's looking for you. And I wonder what they were thinking. I wonder what Jesus could have been thinking. He might've thought, well, this is a really good start to the ministry. Things are going well. Maybe we should like, you know, think about pitching a tent, you know? Maybe we should think about getting some sort of like system together so we can, you know, get people in in a bit more of an orderly fashion. It's not like that at all, is it? Jesus said, we've got to go somewhere else. And you kind of think, why? Things are just starting to take off here. And he goes, well, we've got to go somewhere else. Preach in other places. That is why I have come. That's why I've come. And Jesus can respond with obedience because he spends time with his Father in heaven. And it's from this place of spending time, this intimacy and this relationship, he can respond in obedience. And at Clovey, when we think about what matters most, when we think about moving into the future that God has for us, I cannot get away from the verse in Zechariah where it says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. As God moves us forward, he's gonna move us forward at his pace and in his time. And sometimes it will feel like we're rushing, and sometimes it will feel like it needs to go a bit faster. But it's not by might, not by power, but it's by the Spirit, says the Lord. That's what it's going to look like for us as we step into the time, the new season that God has for us. You know, it's really interesting. In the early 1990s, I think it's really important that we know our story as a church, by the way. I think it's important that we know our story so we know where we've come from and where uh, we are headed into the future. And in the early 1990s, the, the church council, the elders at the time, they went away for a weekend and they went away to seek the Lord. They spent some time at a farm not far from here and they prayed and, and they just said, Lord, what is it that you have for us in our next season? This is in 1990. This is before some of you guys were born. And, and they were praying They were seeking the Lord, and they were listening to some cassette tapes of a young pastor from California called Rick Warren, who was just starting to talk about this thing called a purpose-driven church. I think that went all right for him. And they were listening to these tapes, and they weren't just trying trying to get a quick fix. They were trying to understand, God, what are you saying to us as a community? Where are you leading us into our future? And they got a real conviction over this weekend retreat that God was leading them to be in a church community that was absolutely committed to reaching its local area. Absolutely committed to being a contemporary in its style and in its approach. And this was a big deal in the nineties, right? This is a really big deal. And what this meant over the next few years is it meant there was some changes. There were some changes in leadership. There were some changes in some of the songs that were sung, some of the things that were spoken about, how the church was organized. The church went through quite a disruptive phase as it moved into this new season. And then that was the platform from when the church could then make that decision to come up onto this site, was from that place. And essentially that's leadership from the church eldership at that time, to seek God and to see into the future and say, we don't know what this is going to look like, but we're committed to following God and being obedient to him and being a church on mission that would please him. And the church moved into that next season. And it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So as we think about what matters most, we need to consider our identity is our identity in God? We need to consider our calling. Do we know what God has called us to? And how can we participate with Him in that? And our mission. Our mission with ongoing obedience. Not to get stuck in a way that it used to work or, or the glory days of when we were, felt like we were closest you know, to God, but to move with Him in what He's doing because He is the faithful one. And it doesn't, I guess, it's not lost on me that in Mark 1, Jesus calls his disciples to come. Come, follow me. And then what does he do in Mark 16? He says, go. He says, go. Go into the nations and preach the gospel. And 2,000 years later, a global movement of Christianity is what we're living in. Over 2.2 billion people put their trust and follow Jesus from this ragtag, unschooled, uneducated disciples because they knew their identity. They knew their calling and they lived on mission. Let's pray together.